You ever watch a courtroom drama on TV? Maybe you've even lived one if you are in law enforcement or a lawyer or just been in a courtroom for whatever number of reasons. You think, oh no, he is not going to be preaching from the book of law and order, is he? Well, I promise you, I am not. Um, but for fiction or for real, courtroom dramas have sort of this either or battle going on, right? Either the defendant is guilty or they're innocent. It's one or the other. Either they did it or they didn't do it, whatever it is. There's not really another logical outcome that's possible. Maybe we run into the same kind of either or dichotomy in life. Maybe even with the same topic that believers or non-believers will share. Which is which is true? Faith or reason? Maybe you've heard uh, heard it termed, which is true? Faith or science? Or if you go even down further down the rabbit hole, as some people will put it, which is true, faith or fact? And how do we work through this? Especially if you're a Christian and you've been maybe painted into a corner with this question. Does practicing faith require abandoning all reason or abandoning trust or uh, understanding of science? I don't think so. As I think Jesus said, as I believe Jesus said in Matthew 22, the, the verse that's going to kind of be the engine for how I'm going to take this message, because it is a bit topical. But this is Matthew 22, 37. Where he says, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and here's the kicker, and with all your mind. See, God doesn't call us to just love us, to just love him with all our warm fuzzies. Rather, in essence, he says, I gave you a mind. Use it to love me. I gave you the ability to think, to rationalize, to use reason. Use it to love me. You don't, it, we don't have to think that we've somehow got to shut down our brain in order to approach God. We don't have to abandon reason in order to approach God. I love how Pastor Mark Clark puts it where he says, we run the ramp of reason before we take the leap of faith. I love that image. We run the ramp of reason before we take the leap of faith. So we all, the fact is, we all have a faith view or a worldview, whether you are a Christian or not. The question becomes, what informs that view? What uh, inspires that view or, or is the engine behind that view? As a pastor, I've been to certainly my share of funerals even before I was uh, the one who would officiate them. And I'd be doing funerals for people across a whole spectrum of beliefs. Uh, some people believed in God and had a strong faith. Uh, some didn't. Some just needed a warm body up front to say some nice words uh, as far as the service went and everything like that. But across the spectrum, you often hear some variant of two phrases as survivors are talking about their loved one who has passed away. You might hear them say, at least they aren't suffering anymore. Or uh, others will say some variant of, at least they're in a better place. Or they're now in a better place. Whatever it is that we believe about God, those are metaphysical statements. Those are statements in a category that is above physics. Uh, that's what metaphysics means. Um, beyond the pay grade of natural science. So it begs the question, not that I've asked this question in the, the context of a funeral, but as we hear these questions and we make these kinds of statements, how do you know what you know? How do you know they're not suffering anymore? How do you know they're in a better place? And if one argues that the stuff of God 
has no basis in reason, then what informs these views that we make? As, and these are stated as much by non-believers as by believers. So when all this says, we take a faith position. We take a worldview position that asks these kinds of questions that science itself can't answer and attest to. So what informs these ideas that we come up with? See, there's many different ways that I could take this and, and rabbit holes that I could go on. So I'm going to try and keep this a little bit simple uh, just to, because I would rather give you one or two things you can remember than to try and give you 50 things that you're going to forget by the time this, uh, this service is over. So I'm going to start with one idea that often helps to, helps to guide this discussion or answer this question. And understanding that there is more strength in proving something than proving not something. Now, this is going to get a bit logic 101 here, but it's easier to prove a positive than not than prove a negative. And here's here's an example that might put a little flesh and blood on this. Uh, since I started off talking about law and order, let's use our legal system as as an engine for this illustration. We have in the United States a system that says that a person is innocent until proven guilty, right? Not the other way around. So let's say you have a murder case. Um, the burden of proof lies with the prosecutor to say, prove the defendant did it, prove the positive, rather than the defendant having to prove that they didn't do it. I'll say that again. It's up to the prosecutor to prove the defendant did it rather than the defendant proving that they didn't do it. That's how our system works and how innocent until proven guilty works, how proving the positive that you did it is easier, reasonably so, or as far as reason goes, than for the defendant to prove that they didn't do it. So how does this play out? Well, you may hear what's called... Um, where this is all this is going as far as logic 101, what's called an argument from ignorance. It's stating that a statement, this argument from ignorance is stating a statement is false if you can't prove that it's true. Example, in our context of is faith all hogwash or does it you know require abandoning reason? Example, you can't prove that God exists, therefore by default, God doesn't exist or put more down to earth, you can't prove you're not an alien, therefore you must be an alien, until you can prove that you're not. That's where the argument from, uh, from ignorance comes from, or where it goes out, how it plays out. Uh, argument that often fails logistically, or logically speaking. But one way that atheism loses footing based on its own claims to reason is, is this idea. See, that's the difference between atheism and agnosticism. Uh, agnostic means without knowledge. Ah means sort of the negation. Gnostic meaning knowledge. Um, so without knowledge. It says, agnosticism says, I don't know if God exists or not. Now, that's a fair logical statement. Um, and one that you know anybody could, could rationally accept. Atheism means without God, a, a being the negation, theism, 
theos being God or theos being God, so without God. Atheism says, I know that God does not exist. At best, this lack of evidence, I, I know or I don't know, requires us to suspend judgment. To At best, the most logical thing we can come up with is, I don't know if God exists or not. But the Christian has evidence that at worst, logically offers the possibility of God. Logically speaking, um, re- using reason as far as using reason to deduct what we're saying. And we see it in Scripture in Romans 1. Uh, this is 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all God, all ungodliness and wickedness to those who by their wickedness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things that he made. So they are without excuse. So while I believe that a loving God exists, who has revealed himself in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, attempting to show that uh, shows that Christianity starts from a place of reason, not from a place of blind faith. Again, as, as Mark Clark says, we run the ramp of reason before we take the leap of faith. So if we follow the logic beyond the scope of what I'm going to try and cover today, if we follow the logic, it will lead us to an empty tomb. But again, I'd rather give you one thing that you're going to remember than 50 things that you're not by the time this service is over. So that's why I'm kind of keeping a limit or some parameters about how far I'm trying to take this. So let's take it into one area where we are often questioned. What about the irrationality of miracles? Because it it can sound like miracles are just, there's no way that fits in with reason. Right? Miracles violate natural laws, therefore it's not reasonable to believe in miracles, a, a naturalist might say. It's an argument that uh, skeptic David Hume makes, which is fair enough to understand. But So if we start with one's atheist statement, or if we start with the statement that's made by one atheist named David, uh, Michael Ruse, I'm sorry, says, creationists believe that the world started miraculously. Story of Genesis, one, uh, Genesis 1, creation story. But miracles are outside of science, which is by definition deals with the natural, the repeatable, that which is governed by law. This is the statement from a self-proclaimed atheist. Now, note what he, note what he says here, or what he doesn't say. He doesn't say miracles contradict science. He says miracles lie outside of science. There's a difference there. Natural law has this implied sense of all else being equal conditions. All else being equal, this is how natural law works. All else being equal, this is how gravity works. This is how um, force works. This is how uh, molecules interact with each other. Again, all else being equal. Now read it this way or hear it this way. If nothing else gets in the way, all else being equal, if I were to drop an apple... Gravity kicks in and it falls to the ground. What we understand is the, um, the effect of gravity. Now, here's my question. If I were to drop an apple and then I catch it midair, did I break gravity? Is it somehow 
did gravity lose? No, I just interfered. So how do miracles and, and natural law relate to each other? Well, it is essentially saying, miracles are essentially saying that something, God, interfered. Right? Natural law states that dead people don't naturally come back to life. That's for millennia, we have known it. If a person is dead, all else being equal, they are not going to come back to life. But scripture doesn't claim that Jesus naturally came back to life. We read in Peter's uh, testimony in Acts 2.24, it says, But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. We don't believe, again, just taking the example of Jesus' resurrection, pretty big example to the Christian, we don't claim that Jesus naturally rose from the dead, playing by the rules of, of natural law. We believe God intervened and God raised him from the dead. God intervened and by science's own rules, one can't use reason or logic as the engine for disbelief because something else interfered. See, if we're seeing faith as irrational, at least ask the question why. Is it the evidence? Is it what you see as the evidence that's out that's out there or is it that if christianity is real then i'm not in charge anymore and i've had to wrestle with both of those kinds of questions but here's the thing i believe if we run that ramp of reason it leads us to a god who loved us beyond anything we could explain beyond anything natural law can can put a formula to it leads us to one who offers a relationship and a peace so good we cannot wrap our minds around it. See, that God isn't afraid of our questions. He isn't thrown off by our doubts. He doesn't dismiss our the pains or the hurts that may get us to the point where we wonder if he's even out there. Rather, he entered into that natural world, spread his arms out on a cross, and said, I love you this much. And gave his life for us so that we could have life in him. Let's pray together. God, help us in our unbelief. Help us in those moments when we question, when we doubt, when we don't understand. Help us to see that you are still at work. That you are still good and loving and kind and just. Help us to run that ramp of reason, to love you with not just our hearts and our souls, but also with our minds, so that we can have life, ultimately have life in you. Amen.